I'm Lana McDermott with 4N Farms in Cameron, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Another week is rolling, and we got another episode rolling of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, boy, this last couple of weeks and this rainfall has been such a welcome relief from the hot, dry weather that we've been enduring all winter and spring. And the good news is we've gotten rainfall in just about every area of the state. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. There's money to be made for Texas High Plains farmers this season, even with challenges ahead. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The month of May in Texas was relatively warm and dry with some very hot record temperatures. What will June bring as the La Nina weather pattern continues? I'm Tom Nicoletti, and we'll have that forecast on Texas Ag Today. Hot weather is hitting Texas, and it is rapidly drying out forages. And what little moisture we do have here in Central Texas. This is Dr. Shane McClellan, and I'll have more from Waco. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The last two weeks have brought much-needed rainfall to parched pastures and cropland all across Texas. Brian Kane is with Bayer Pasture and Range here in Texas. He says he's getting good reports from all over the state. Yeah, we've got reps all over the uh, state and uh, talking to our reps down in South Texas, and, and they received really good rainfall uh, from south of San Antonio up through the San Antonio areas. And I myself was out in the Rolling Plains yesterday and uh, chilled us down to Guthrie and then further down uh, and then back uh, towards the Wichita Falls area and all that country received quite a bit of water. And I, uh, I'm over here uh, just north of the Metroplex right now uh, up on the Red River close at our place, and we're three and a half inches here. So uh, uh, good, good measure of rainfall, and obviously we could take it right now going into our growing season. Kane says so far this year, pasture conditions have been below average in central Texas and very bad as you move into west Texas. Republicans on the Senate Agriculture Committee grilled Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack last week over soaring farm input costs. Senate GOP leader Mitch McConnell cited a Texas A&M study about the effects of inflation on the farm. One recent study from Texas A&M estimated that despite higher commodity prices, farm profits will drop by nearly 60 60 percent in 2022 due to these higher input costs. Since January of 2021, animal feed has increased by 43 percent, diesel fuel 115 percent, natural gas 202 percent, fertilizer 220 percent. Secretary Vilsack insisted he's doing everything he can to boost production and reduce fertilizer costs. 
We are working with farmers to make sure that they are uh, fully aligned with the right application, the right time, the right location, the right amount. We have also uh, provided a new risk management tool uh, that encourages a split application of nitrogen to reduce the cost to farmers uh, with picking up the loss of productivity that may occur if they are unable to fertilize twice uh, in, in a year. Uh, we also have allocated $500 million towards looking at a broad array of options in terms of how we might be able to expand uh, fertilizer capacity in this country. Vilsack also talked about the availability of CRP land. We announced uh, the fact that in terms of the general sign-up, approximately a little over 1 million acres that was in the program is coming out of the program. So that million acres is going to be available. Secondly, uh, we announced uh, an effort uh, to try to encourage those whose uh, acres are coming out of the program to be able to access their fields more quickly. Vilsack also announced another $200 million to expand meat processing and tighter proposed packer and stockyards rules to protect poultry producers. There's money to be made for Texas High Plains farmers this year, even with the challenges that are ahead. James Hunt has the story from Amarillo. As a new growing season begins in the Texas High Plains, Texas A&M AgriLife economist Justin Benavides has good news. What we're finding is that even though input costs are up substantially, there is still profit in this market by pushing yields. At the rate that input costs have gone up, even where they are today, compared to where grain prices are, if you are able to lock in a grain production price or a cotton price right now, you're still going to find profit. But Dr. Benavides says protecting your margins will require making good decisions on inputs throughout the season. My rules of thumb or talk to an agronomist, make sure that you're not making a huge production error when you're thinking about cutting. That's my number one rule, talk to your agronomist. Number two, focus on your big input categories that are flexible. So we're thinking fertilizer and irrigation. If you're irrigating, you want to make sure that you're spending your time making adjustments on the things that cost you the most money because incremental changes in big budget categories are going to save you a lot more money than incremental changes in small budget categories. So things like multiple soil tests throughout the season to understand whether or not you need more fertilizer application or where you need fertilizer application. Spend a little bit of money on the testing, save a lot of money on the fertilization because that's one of the things that's the most expensive right now. Third rule of thumb, focus on that marginal revenue, marginal cost. Make sure that each bushel that you earn from a pound of fertilizer or or a ton of fertilizer is compensated by the revenue generated from the extra yield. If your expenses are outpacing your revenue from a single choice, then that is going to lose you money on the net. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. May was a hot month for Texas with record temperatures. And Tom Nicoletti takes a look at the outlook for June. My guest from Fort Worth is Tom Bradshaw, meteorologist in charge at the National Weather Service. And Tom, uh, let's uh, look back at the month of May in Texas and uh, what the weather brought us. Well, it's good to be with you again, Tom. And for what seems like the umpteenth month in a row, we had a relatively warm and relatively dry month across the state of Texas. We had temperatures that were well above normal across a good part of the state. In fact, for example, at Waco itself, Waco reported five record high temperatures during the month of May. So that kind of gives you some idea of how hot it was many, many days in the 90s across a good part of the state of Texas during May. Um, On the flip side, it was relatively dry, particularly out in West Texas, although pockets of central and eastern Texas did pick up some welcome rain uh, during the month. But by and large, it was a relatively dry month for the state of Texas. Going into June, the Texas drought monitor is still very colorful, which means exceptional and extreme and severe drought across the state. So what does June look like? 
Well, I wish we had some good news, but the La Nina weather pattern is still holding its grip across the southern United States. And what that means for Texas is, once again, um, relatively warm and relatively dry uh, compared to normal for the month expected. We'll have temperatures well into the 90s. Perhaps we'll probably start to see some 100s across a good part of the state during the month of June. And we'll see rainfall totals that will most likely be below normal for a good part of the state, particularly out west, where, the, as you mentioned, the drought monitor is showing many areas of D3 and D4 as significant to major drought, and we don't see any relief for them uh, coming up in the month of June, unfortunately. Tom Bradshaw with the National Weather Service will join us again on our next program to talk about hurricane season, which begins June 1st. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. That hot weather we've been experiencing is taking a toll on Central Texas crops and pastures. Dr. Shane McClellan has an update from Waco. Our temperatures in Central Texas are hot. We have remained more windy than normal, and the hot winds, coupled with just being dry, uh, we're losing a lot of our moisture. Cotton is enjoying the hot weather for now, but many of our other crops, like corn and grain sorghum, are looking okay. But there is some concern that we may be running out of soil moisture sooner than we than we would like to. Uh, most of our area crops do look better than what we should be expected when you realize that we are 12 inches below our normal rainfall during the last 180 days. There is a lack of deeper soil moisture, and that is due to not having any uh, large top rainfall events where we have slow soaking rain. And that has some people concerned that it's lining up to be like the 2011 drought. In central Texas, there has not been a widespread good soaking rain since October of last year. Some people in Central Texas did get a good rain a few weeks ago, but it was very scattered, and it was a hard and fast type rain. These scattered showers that came through Central Texas dumped a lot of water just on a few locations. Stock tanks remain low and haven't really caught large runoff-type events because we just haven't had any large rains here. These small tents, a quarter of an inch rains that we've gotten during the last eight months can add up to a total that is kind of deceiving because we just don't have the rainfall that we need to make an immediate impact in any of our crops or or pastures. Pastures have been green from the recent rains, but the current hot weather is drying out those grasses. And a lot of our pastures look like they would expect to look mid-August rather than it being mid-May. We should have had uh, one hay cutting by now, but many producers are just slow to get into the hay fields due to a lack of amount of forage. Wheat and oat harvest will start soon, and the hot temperatures are drying out, maturing our wheat and oat fields very rapidly. We will have less oats in our area than usual just due to uh, bad stands early in the year from the lack of rainfall. Wheat yields are expected to be much lower, and the wheat that we do have that had some secondary growth and filaments and secondary tillers were hit by hessian fly, so those yields will be down uh, somewhat too as compared to normal. This is Dr. Shane McClellan from Waco with Texas Ag Today. Texas anglers continue to reel in record-breaking largemouth bass. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And one of the most time-consuming tasks in a feedlot or stocker operation is pulling sick calves. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. One of the most time-consuming tasks in a feedlot or stocker operation is pulling sick calves. Dr. Bob Judd says there's a new product on the market that may make that task a bit easier. Mark Animal Health recently announced the release of a product called Sensi Hub Feedlot. Bovine Veterinarian indicates this state-of-the-art technology is proven to detect sick cattle earlier and more accurately than visual observation. The Sensi Hub system features an illuminating ear tag that makes it easy to identify and sort cattle needing treatment. Dr. Jason Nickel with Merck indicates that this is an innovative new approach to detecting illness in calves, especially those with bovine respiratory disease, which is the number one cause of death in these calves. The electronic ear tag tracks behavioral and biometric data to monitor the health of each animal. Body temperature is determined by an infrared thermistor, and an accelerometer measures the animal's activity, and then an algorithm can identify calves that are sick. Pen riders receive a daily pull list on their mobile device documenting animals that should receive closer monitoring, and an LED light on the sick animal's tag illuminates and flashes. Research at an Oklahoma feedlot showed that monitoring market cattle with the Sensi Hub system significantly reduced mortality in calves due to respiratory disease. Also, the trial demonstrated significant labor savings, which is really important these days as riders were able to observe three times more cattle using the Sensi Hub system, so less riders were required. Dr. Nickel indicated the technology is like having another employee monitor all the calves 24 hours a day, and the technology should be available this summer. I'm Dr. Bob Judd, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas anglers are reeling in some record-breaking bass. Jessica Domel tells more about it in today's Wildlife Report. Texas anglers are setting records this year. On our last show, we told you that anglers loaned 24 largemouth bass weighing 13 pounds or more to this Toyota Sharelunker program for selective breeding at the Texas Freshwater Fisheries Center. That's the most legacy class lunkers, that's those weighing more than 13 pounds, caught between January and March since 1995. Those bass came from nine different water bodies, including Lake Daniel near Breckenridge, which became the 75th public water body to contribute a legacy class lunker. Tom Lang, director of the Texas Freshwater Fishery Center, joins us with more. In addition to Lake Daniel being the 75th public water body and how awesome that is, one of the huge things about this season was that we had four top 50 bass submitted, including the biggest bass in 30 years. We had a 1706 turned in, and so our state record is 1818, and to have a 1706 turned in, the seventh largest bass ever verified in Texas, and that's private or public water, I mean, that's amazing. 
And that fish was put right back out there after getting first-class fish health care hatcheries, and it's ready to be caught again. Maybe we can see her again next season, and she'll be over that 18-18. Who knows? She may be the next day record out there swimming around at OHIV. The lunkers loaned to the Share Lunker program each year are bred at the fishery center and are then released back into the lake they came from. Their offspring, when they reach fingerling size, are then released into Texas lakes, producing bigger, better bass in Texas. While the loaning period for the Sherlunker program is over for the year, anglers can still contribute to bigger, better bass in Texas. I'll tell you how on our next show. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Our agricultural markets were closed on Monday for the Memorial Day holiday, so we'll take a look back at Friday's market trade. We'll look at Friday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Hi, this is Kerry Martin with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. You know, I've spent my entire life in agriculture, and I know how stressful farming and ranching can be. Things like the economy, finances, and the weather all increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. That's where the Texas Agri-Stress Helpline comes in. I want you to write this number down, 833-897-2474, Or if you can't write it down right now, just remember, you can go to farmlifehelp.com. That's farmlifehelp.com. The Texas Agri-Stress Helpline. Even the toughest people need help sometimes. Do me a favor, don't wait. Call today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. All of our markets were closed on Monday for the Memorial Day holiday, so we'll take a quick look back at how things wrapped up on Friday. The cattle market put in a lower close on Friday. We ended the trading week with the cattle market in the red. June live cattle dropped 22 cents, 132.17. The August down 20, 132.40. October live cattle down 12 at 138.05. August feeder cattle down 35 cents Friday to close the week at 166.32. The September down 42 cents, 169.30. October feeders down 72, ending at 171.82. Cash fed cattle market wrapping up the week, selling most of our cattle here in the south at 137. That's a buck lower compared to the previous week. Northern dressed cattle traded for two twenty-three. That's three dollars lower compared to the previous week. Boxed beef prices were higher Friday. Choice was up ninety-six cents, two sixty-four ninety-three. Select up two twenty-six at two forty-six sixty-nine. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Texas neighbor, good day to you. I'm Larry Marble. This is Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Let's talk to Josh Tilke, Carn City Auction Company. Last sale before the Memorial Day holiday. Josh, how did it go? This past Saturday on the 21st, uh, we sold 350 cattle, 240 sheep and goats. Uh, we finally got some good rain in the area, an inch and a half to three inches across the board, so it slowed our numbers down just a bit. Walk the pins with us, please. The market was good and strong on the calves. Uh, two to three weight steers, 170 to 225. Three to fours, 165 to 185. Four to 
to five weight men, 165 to a buck 80. Five to six is 158 to 172. Six to seven is 148 to 160. Heifer mates, two to three, 155 to 160. Three to four is a buck 45 to 180. Four to five weight heifers, 145 to 165. Five to six is 135 to a dollar 60. Six to seven is 125 to 150. Older bull yearlings range a dollar 20 to 135. Heifer mates, a dollar five to 118. Bread cows, 900 to 1250. Bears, 1050 to 1250 as well. Number one yielding packer cow, 76 to 82 cents. Number two grade, 65 to 70. And the packer bulls, a dollar two to 114. Uh, 240 sheep and goats, kids, 25 to 50 pounds, 120 to 180 by the head. 50 to 100 pounders, 215 to 500 for the bigger weathers. Nannies, 190 to 320. Billies, 265 to 465. Sheep, 165 to 240. Lambs, 150 to 220. And rams, 275 to 400, Larry. Neighbor, I'm Larry Marble in Deep South Texas, reporting for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs finished lower on Friday. June hogs down 70 cents at 110.40. July hogs down 10, 111.72. Class 3 milk was steady to higher. The May contract unchanged at 25.19.100 weight, while June milk was up 26 cents, 24.51. The cotton market closed lower. Traders continuing to keep an eye on the West Texas weather forecast. It looks like the one to five day outlook shows no rain in the forecast, but the six to ten day does allow for better chances. The U.S. drought monitor came out on Thursday. It continued to show West Texas in extreme to exceptional drought despite the recent rains. We close with July cotton down 119 points Friday, 139.42. The October down 97 at 130.15. December cotton down 138 points at 122.95. Both corn and wheat put in a higher close to wrap up the week. The big news in the corn market over the past week has been that China and Brazil are getting closer to a deal to allow Brazilian corn to be shipped into China. That weighed heavily on the market earlier in the week. But we made up for some of those losses on Friday. July corn up 12 and a quarter, 777 and a quarter. September corn up 10 and three quarters, 744 and three quarters. While December corn was up 11 and a quarter, 730 a bushel. Both hard and soft wheat finished higher Friday. July Kansas City wheat up six and three quarters, 1235 and a quarter. July Chicago wheat up 14 and a half. At 11.57 and a half. In the energy markets Friday, July natural gas was down 16 cents at 8.72. July crude oil up 77, 114.86 a barrel. The financial markets were higher Friday afternoon. The Dow up 458 points at 33,095. The Nasdaq up 349, 12,091. The S&P up 86 points, 4,144. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.